0: This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible reading for November 29th. And we are in the book of Daniel this morning in chapter 6, and at this time in Daniel's life, he is over 80 years old. And if you remember last time, the kingdom has passed uh, from Babylon, has passed from the control of the Babylonian king to uh, the Medes and the Persians, specifically Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a prince to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the princes and to watch out for the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes. Because of his great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and princes began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling his affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize. Oh, the the same could be said of us. He was faithful and honest and always responsible. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the requirements of his religion. So the administrators and princes went to the king and said, "'Long live King Darius! We administrators, prefects, princes, advisors, and other officials have unanimously agreed that your majesty should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to your majesty, will be thrown to the lions.' And let your majesty issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed, a law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. The officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went back to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to your majesty, will be thrown to the lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is a law of the Medes and Persians which cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is paying no attention to you or your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was very angry with himself for signing the law and he tried to find a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty knows that, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel from the lions. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you worship continually, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian it is good news that God can reveal himself in his glory, even to pagan nations. And as we had read in Ezekiel, that they would know that he is the Lord. Second Peter chapter three, we are reading the end of second Peter today, and I never really told you about this letter of Peter. So he's writing to the same group of Christians, um, but he has a different theme. So in the first letter, Remember that it was about persecution from unbelievers, and that can be very hard for Christians to bear. But defection within the community of believers can be even more devastating, and that is the theme of 2 Peter. To counteract the effects of this, quote, poison in the pews, unquote, Peter reminds his readers of the timeless truths of the faith and exhorts them to continue growing toward Christian maturity. Uh, the warning for believers is clear, and we'll read that today. Do not forget, be diligent, beware. Second Peter chapter 3. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them, I, Peter, have tried to stimulate your whole, wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember and understand what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. First, I want to remind you that in the last days, there will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. This will be their argument. Jesus promised to come back, didn't he? Then where is he? Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command, and that he brought the earth up from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the world with a mighty flood. And God has also commanded that the heavens and the earth will be consumed by fire on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to perish, so he is giving more time for everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and everything in them will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment." Since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy, godly lives should you be living? You should look forward to that day and hurry it along, the day when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world where everyone is right with God. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to live a pure and blameless life and be at peace with God. And remember that the Lord is waiting so that people have time to be saved. This is just as our beloved brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters around to mean something quite different from what he meant, just as they do the other parts of Scripture, and the result is disaster for them. So remember that Paul preached salvation by grace alone, and uh, many twisted that to uh, condone the practice of sin at the time. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, so that you can watch out and not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people. I don't want you to lose your own secure footing, but grow in the special favor and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be all glory and honor, both now and forevermore. Amen. Psalm 119, starting in verse 129. Your decrees are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. As your words are taught, they give light. Even the simple can understand them. I open my mouth panting expectantly, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. Rescue me from the oppression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. Look down on me with love. Teach me all your principles. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because the people disobey your law. O Lord, you are righteous, and your decisions are fair. Your decrees are perfect. They are entirely worthy of our trust. I am overwhelmed with rage, for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal and your law is perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your decrees are always fair. Help me to understand them, that I may live. I pray with all my heart, answer me, Lord. I will obey your principles. I cry out to you, save me, that I may obey your decrees. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your faithful, about your promise. In your faithful love, O oh Lord, hear my cry. In your justice, save my life. Those lawless people are coming nearer to attack me. They live far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. I have known from my earliest days that your decrees never change. Proverbs 28, 21, and 22. Showing partiality is never good, yet some will do wrong for something as small as a piece of bread. A greedy person tries to get rich quick, but it only leads to poverty. And to end today, we're back with our new friend, Selwyn Hughes. And uh, this section is the very next reading in the book called The Familiar Feelings of Failure from Psalm 145, (coughs) specifically verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Many years ago, a young man came to see me and said, I am not making a success of my life, spiritually. I want with all my heart to become a successful Christian, but I seem to be failing in everything I do. At that time, I was not aware of the subtleties of the human heart as I am today. And I encouraged him to keep trying. I said, responsible effort and dogged obedience will bring you what you need. Keep going no matter what. The advice I gave him was good, but it was not complete. About a year later, after God had allowed me to see the subtleties and deceptions of my own heart, and after putting some personal things right before him, I sat down once again with the young man and asked him how things were going. A little better, he said, but even though I keep asking God to help me become a successful Christian, I am still failing. I took a deep breath and tentatively suggested that perhaps— Deep down in his heart, he preferred failure to success. He looked at me in amazement and after a few seconds said, say some more about that. I feel you are touching something very vulnerable inside of me. We talked for hours and he told me how all his life he had lived with failure and it soon became obvious that he preferred the familiar feelings of failure to the unfamiliar feelings of success, even spiritual success. That one insight was all he needed to open up the whole of his being to God. Oh, Father, if we too need something to trigger off a deeper openness and self-awareness in our hearts, then give it to us today. We want nothing more than to be honest people. Honest not only on the surface, but also at the depths. Help us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. Have a beautiful day.